is the Big Church Podcast. Well, 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 good morning again. Today is a special day for me because this young lady just graduated from SEU uh, in December with a degree in ministerial leadership. And, you know, I tell the interns on the very first night that by being an intern, they're signing up to be maybe somebody we're looking to bring on staff. And this young lady walked into our church at our very first SHE conference. And she loved the energy of you all. And uh, she immediately plugged in. And Taylor is the brain behind my vision. And I'm not exaggerating. Like, we are like two peas in a pod. We go together like ketchup and mustard. But can I just tell you, if you've ever been here on a Sunday morning, you know that she is a gifted communicator but you don't understand the anointing that she carries. And I'm just so proud and so honored that you are going to be giving a word today at Big Church on a season of your life that she walked through. And you know, we've always heard that if you preach from your place of brokenness and things that you've gone through, you'll never run out of material. So would you... Stand up and honor the woman of God, Taylor Yates. Wow. (laughs) This really feels like family. It it really is. You guys really are my family. And um, I'm just so honored to be here. I just want to thank my pastors because um, without them, I would never be where I am today. I probably wouldn't even be in church. I wouldn't be loving the Lord. And so I just thank you all from the bottom of my heart. I honor you and I will serve you for the rest of my life. Um, So before we get started, I just want every person who is in a relationship or who's married just to raise their hand. Wow, there's tons of you. All right, so I just don't want you to tune me out today. We're going to be talking about singleness, and we're going to be talking about waiting, but if you have ears to hear, the Lord will speak to you. So pay attention. Maybe you're not waiting on your future spouse. Well, you obviously aren't, but but maybe you're waiting on your spouse to walk through the church doors. So Whatever you're waiting for, pay attention because whatever I speak, it'll speak to you. All right, now I want all of my single friends to stand up. Yeah, let's clap for them. Woo! All right, now look around. Take a look around. All right, so yeah, the person that you just uh, locked eyes with across the room, they might be your future spouse. No, I'm just kidding. You guys know that church is never meant to be boring. Um, So we like to have fun here. So today I'm going to be preaching a message titled, Don't Waste Your Waiting. Let me pray. Jesus, I just pray that you would be here today. 
God, you are here and we thank you for your presence. Lord, I pray that um, people's hearts would be open to hearing the truth. God, I pray that you would soften hearts right now just as I'm praying. Lord, I pray you would give them ears to hear and eyes to see you. God, I pray that you would use me, Lord, that you would lay my tongue down and speak straight through me, God. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Waiting. It isn't easy, is it? There are so many stories in the Bible, and almost all of them have to do with waiting. David waited 15 years before he became king. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for their son Isaac. Moses waited 40 years before he came out of the wilderness. And Jesus, he waited 30 years to start a three-year ministry, even though he knew he was going to die. Maybe you're waiting on a child after trying many times. Maybe you're waiting on your dream job. Maybe you're waiting for a 10-year prayer to be answered. Or maybe you are waiting on your future spouse. Well, my story of waiting involves a little girl with a dream to get married. And once I started really pursuing the Lord is when this dream um, and this feeling increased so much more. So back about four years ago, I decided that I really liked this guy. Um, I wasn't completely following the Lord at the time, but I knew that I wanted someone who knew Jesus in some capacity. And the funny thing is, is that the guy, he didn't really know Jesus when we first started dating, but um, through our relationship, through our friendship, uh, at the end, towards the end, he got saved. And so he calls me up and he's like, I want to tell you about this. And I'm like, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> like, I wanted to know Jesus, but I haven't really given him my heart yet. Um, and so I went to his school and I visited him and he starts to tell me uh, about uh, the book of James and he starts reading from it. And so at this point in my relationship with the Lord, I was just a little frustrated. I was a little angry um, and I was being a little irrational because I felt like God had abandoned me in my pursuit of him um, because I wanted to know him, but I didn't know how. So as um, this guy is talking about James and reading through the passage, I instantly feel this fire go down my throat and into my belly. And little did I know that it was the Holy Spirit filling me for a long future ahead. So while I felt this new sense of God in my life, I was still very infatuated with the guy who I thought caused all of this to happen. So we talked, as the cool kids say, and I really thought I might marry him because he knew Jesus. I thought it was just like the perfect match. But then one day he ghosted me. And for you seasoned folks who don't know what ghosted means, <laughs> basically one day he decided that he just didn't want to respond. So um, here is where I began my three-year period of being a single Christian, ghosted and heartbroken. But if this hadn't have happened, and I'm really so thankful we did, it did, um, I don't think that I would have had the courage to wait. So today I am not going to give you the six steps on how to get a boyfriend or the three things that you need to do to find a wife. No, but today I'm going to encourage you and I'm going to believe that breakthrough will happen in your hearts. So singleness, everyone dreads this season, and even I did for a really long time. But to all my single people, this is a time in your life that you will never get back. So do not waste your waiting. So when I was praying about what to talk about today, a few things came to my mind. Um, 
Firstly, I know that there's some people in the room who have been waiting, whether for a relationship or maybe it's financial breakthrough or maybe you are waiting on your spouse to walk through the doors. Um, and you need to take it off the throne of your heart. So many of us don't have God in his rightful place in our hearts and we're creating idols out of the very thing that we're waiting for. This is bad stewardship of the desire that he's placed in you. So hear me, I'm not saying all this because I want you to feel bad about yourself or I want you to, uh, but I want you to be right with the Lord so that you can see all that he wants to do in your life and watch it come to pass. He'll never give you anything if you don't steward it well. So my advice to you is to repent or say sorry and then change. Secondly, so many of us are trying to push ourselves out of our season of singleness or whatever season of waiting that you're in that we take it into our own hands. We're trying to be hasty, so we go to Tinder, we go to Hinge, or we go to Bumble if you're a girl. Um, <laughs> or sometimes we even go to bars to find our future spouses. But do you wanna know what the Bible says about being hasty? In Proverbs 28, 25, it says, to make rash, hasty decisions shows that you are not trusting the Lord. But when you rely totally on God, you will still act carefully and prudently. I'm not at all saying that being on a dating website is bad, but if the Lord didn't call you to it, he's probably not gonna bring any fruit from it. So a story in the Bible that I think that we can all learn about waiting from is the story of Jacob and Rachel. And this story is in Genesis 29. But if you are like me, you uh, have your cell phone and you like to talk to text, right? So you talk and in your phone and you're like, hey, I'm gonna be there in like five minutes because you know it's just too hard to text. But today I'm just gonna text to talk. So I'm gonna take the text and I'm gonna talk it to you. <laughs> So in this story, Jacob is running from his brother Esau, and Jacob and Esau are Isaac's son. And the reason Isaac's sons, and the reason that Jacob is running from Esau, is because he stole his birthright and then he stole his blessing. So Jacob runs to his uncle's town, and his uncle's name is Laban. When he gets there, he gets to a well, and that's where like all of the sheep are watered. Um, and there's some people standing there, and he's like, "Yo, where's Laban?" And then. Um, the people at the well turned and there was Rachel coming down with her sheep. So she's walking to the well and Jacob is like, ooh, girl, she's cute. <laughs> um, and so she was a shepherdess. And so what this shows us is that Rachel was walking in her purpose before ever meeting her husband. So Jacob then helps Rachel by moving the stone for her so she can water the sheep. Now, the, the well was covered by a large stone, as the story says. So I can imagine that the stone was heavy. However, if Rachel was a shepherdess, she had already been to this well many times in her life. AKA, she could do it herself. But um, what this act of kindness showed was that Jacob was going to be a good man to Rachel. It's not the words that do it. If he's talking, but he ain't walking, he ain't worth it. So then Rachel goes to tell her father that Jacob's here and he runs out to meet him and it's this big family reunion. And it takes about a month before Laban tells Jacob that he needs to pay some rent. 
This is where Jacob makes his move and he's like, well, I'll work for you seven years for free if you give me your daughter uh, to marry. And so at this time, in this uh, age, it was normal for the groom to pay a bride price for his spouse. So he works for Laban for seven years and Laban agrees and even says in Genesis chapter 29, verse 19, that it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. It is better that I give her to you. So he works hard for seven years. It even says in the story that those seven years felt like just a few days because of his love for Rachel. But here's the catch. Uh, Rachel had an older sister named Leah. And so during the wedding night, Laban deceives Jacob and sends Leah into his tent in, uh, instead of Rachel. And he wouldn't have realized this because Rachel was probably wearing, or Leah was probably wearing a veil and uh, it was super dark. And I know that we've all been in a dark room and we look to our right, we look to our left. There's, oh, there's a cute boy. But then they flip the lights and they're like, oh, oh, you ain't that cute. I thought you were cute, but you ain't that cute. So, um... He woke up and bam, the girl of his dreams and those seven years of work all flushed down the toilet. So he runs to Laban and he's like, dude, why did you do this? I love Rachel, not Leah. And Laban makes up some excuse and then says, if, if I give you Rachel, you have to work for me another seven years. So after a week of being with Leah, Jacob receives Rachel as his second wife and then has to work another seven years for Laban to pay the price for Rachel. So, what does waiting require? There are four things that waiting requires so that you don't waste your waiting. The first thing is that waiting requires trust. Uh, the great thing about this story of Jacob and Rachel is that right before those 14 years of hard work, J Jacob receives a dream from God and God tells him that he's going to be with him and that he's for him and that he would never leave him. Then Jacob is put through 14 years of work. I can imagine that Jacob really had to lean on the word from God during those 14 years while he's waiting for the wife that he wanted. So many of you may have had a word from God and you're just not trusting it. Maybe God told you that you're going to have a kid. Maybe God told you that you're going to find financial breakthrough this year, but you're just growing weary and you're running out of hope. Well, I'm here to remind you that you are to lean on God's word and that you are to trust him. So without trust, we will turn away from God and try to take everything into our own hands. For a long time, this is what I did when I was single. I would put myself out there on social media or I would talk to different guys, even at church, um, in hopes to get out of my season of singleness. So you have to trust that in God's perfect timing, he's going to send the right person to you. Another thing is that too many people are putting their trust in the wrong thing. So many people are putting their trust in a relationship or in that financial breakthrough, um, but you can't put your trust into something that isn't eternal. Marriage is not eternal, aka you are not married in heaven. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, Jesus was answering a question to the Sadducees about whether there is marriage in heaven. He says, for when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like angels in heaven. So your relationship to Jesus is the only eternal relationship that you have. Wow. 
So don't waste your waiting by not trusting. The second thing that waiting requires is it requires endurance. Can you imagine waiting seven years when the one thing that you want is right in front of you? That's like running a marathon on a treadmill and somebody's holding your favorite cookie, Tyler, um, and you would wanna jump off that treadmill and eat your favorite cookie. So you will need endurance while you wait. The great thing about endurance is that it teaches you how to actively wait. Rachel was probably waiting on her husband. In fact, the story says that she was a beautiful woman. So we could see that she probably had lots of suitors. But she wasn't just sitting at home waiting passively. She was already living in her purpose. And Pastor Mindy always tells us this, but the best way to be single is to run really fast toward Jesus. Then if you see someone and you're looking to your left, to your right, and they're running just as fast as you, um, they might be your person. And you may, may never, you may never know how long you'll have to run for. I thought I was running and I was seeing a cute boy and I was like, hey, but he was not running as fast as me. And so maybe you're a guy and you're like, okay, okay, she's cute. Let me just stop. No, don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. So keep running towards Jesus because you may never know how long you'll need to run for. So you need to encourage yourself to keep that endurance up and strong. And a lot of people confuse that your spouse is your other half, that he's going to complete me, that she's going to complete me. No, 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 no. If you are an individual and you know Jesus, then you are a whole person. So... That's why it's important to get whole and healed before you get married. In Genesis, it says that the two, a man and a woman, shall become one. So it's not two halves becoming a whole. No, it's two becoming one. So remember that the prize is not marriage or gaining whatever the thing that you're waiting for is. The prize is Jesus always. The third thing that waiting requires is that it requires community. And this is one that is so practical and so important to me because, like, as we talked about earlier, I would not be here today if it weren't for for you all, for every single one of you in this building. Um, And so the devil will dominate where he isolates you. If you're lonely all the time, if you're constantly complaining about the fact that you haven't met your husband, it's probably because you don't have a community that's going to help sharpen you and grow you. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. If you aren't being sharpened, you are not growing. And if you're in here and you talk about, which I did too, that you want a spouse who is strong in the Lord, you want some leader, you want a girl who can preach, you want a girl who can sing, well, you best bet that you can't expect something out of that person that you don't expect for yourself. So if you're not being sharpened, you're not growing. And one of my favorite ways to grow here is to join a crew. This is so important because if you have people around you who are constantly praying for you, constantly calling you higher, constantly being there when you just need someone to talk to, then you are going to be growing in the Lord. And something that I found so helpful when I was single and really wanted to be in a relationship was that I confided in my mentors. I talked with them, I had them pray for me, um, and they walked me through my singleness. And this is also so important why you guys come to prayer nights each month, because we pray for one another, we believe for one another, we want the best for you, so we're gonna lay our lives on the line for you. So don't do life without community. 
It's so important. The fourth thing is that waiting requires a content heart. And this is something that I learned uh, very reluctantly. I did not want to be content. So (laughs) I complained a lot. The story doesn't say all the ways that Jacob complained and felt like he couldn't wait for Rachel. No, it says that those uh, years felt just like a few days for him. So you have to find contentment in your waiting. And guys, waiting, it's not a punishment. It's a process. Maybe you're in here thinking that you've messed it all up because you've had sex with so many girls, you've had sex with so many guys, or you've gambled and lost all your money, or you've tried to be pregnant, but you can't. Well, God is not punishing you. He's taking you through a process. And what we see in the Bible is that all of the characters in the Bible had to wait. And it caused them to each go through a wilderness season. This season caused them to go through transformation period where when they would walk out of that wilderness, they were a whole new person. David went from slaying beasts to slaying giants. Moses went from the wilderness to the promised land. And Jesus, he became the greatest leader to walk the earth. All of this happened after their wilderness seasons. So don't waste your waiting thinking that you've messed it all up. God is too big for you to mess it up. So one of my favorite verses, passages in the Bible about contentment that I would speak over myself, that I would pray over myself all the time, and that was spoken over me is in Philippians chapter four, and it's verses 11 through 13. It says, I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, whether you're dating or whether you're single, whether you've got 10K in the bank, whether you've got 100K in the bank, whether your husband is acting up or whether you all are good, whether you're brokenhearted or whether you're happy where you're at. And then it goes on to say, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. God shows up most when we are fully content in him. And I used to get so annoyed when I would ask married people, oh, how'd you meet your husband? And they were like, well, I just like wasn't expecting it. It came at like that one time when I was just like, well, there you are. I didn't want you right now, but you're here. So I would get so annoyed when they would tell me this and I'd be like, that just can't be it. Like I'm waiting and I'm like wanting it now. Um, But I can attest to this. About five months ago, I was headed out of town to visit some friends in Lexington, and as I was driving, I really just felt like the Lord was taking me on a date. It sounds a little weird uh, and silly, but it's just where I was in that day, and I just felt his overflowing love in my heart. I felt his joy in my heart, and I really couldn't contain it, and it's so funny because weeks and months before this, I had been so lonely and hurting because I wanted my person to come along but that day had really changed my heart. I said to the Lord, I don't even care if you never bring me my husband. I know that I'll be okay. I am fully content in you. And I really meant it that day. It was almost like the Lord was waiting for my surrender. That night, a friend, Pastor Tim, prayed over me that I was about to go on an adventure with God. 
And boy, was he right, because God brought me my person only a few months after this when I was least expecting it because I was most content in him. The best thing about the wait is that the wait is so worth it. If I had settled for different guys along the way and not waited, I would have not received God's best for me. In Isaiah 40, 31, it says that they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So when you wait on him, he will give you new strength. He will never fail you and his promises to you will come true. So you guys can go ahead and stand. While we wait on the Lord for so many things, the one thing that we never have to wait on is Jesus entering our hearts. We can ask for that at any time, um, and there's no better time than today. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, and for those, if you're watching online, if you've never given your heart to Jesus and you wanna make that decision today for the first time, just go ahead and lift your hand this is just a sign of surrender and a sign of obedience. Thank you, Jesus. And maybe you've already given your life to Jesus, but you find yourself in the room today and you've been waiting for something. And you're at the point where you feel like you can't wait anymore, like you're gonna give up hope, like you're too weary, like you can't take another step but I'm here to remind you that Jesus will give you new strength if you give him your heart. Maybe you're not fully content in your waiting and you want to change that today. If that is you, you can lift up your hand to show Jesus that you're ready to walk with him in your waiting. Thank you, God. Now everyone repeat this prayer. Jesus, I give you my heart. I confess that I've put other things on the throne of my heart and I'm sorry. What I'm waiting on, I give it to you. I am fully content in my wait. When, time get, when times get hard, help me to run closer to you and not away from you. Thank you for the season that you've placed me in. Amen. As we go into this final song, if anyone needs prayer, our prayer team is going to be on the left and the right, and I'll be down here praying for people if you need prayer. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Fagenbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church Podcast.